There is no good reason for the church of Jesus Christ to be ignorant about what God has made known. Yet the church in Corinth was just that, ignorant. The apostle does not hold back in his rebuke. He calls the saints what they are, fleshly and infants, and even names their sin. Perhaps they might grow up and rid themselves of the destruction their division is causing before it's too late. This message is preached from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 as part of a preaching series through 1 Corinthians to the church. This message is called, Do You Not Know? Welcome to the Southside Sermons Podcast. I am Christopher Campbell, pastor of Southside Baptist Church, located in Decatur, Alabama. This message you're about to hear is from God's Word and is offered to you with this prayer that God would give you eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to obey His Word. May your faith be strengthened in Jesus, and may you grow in your knowledge of Him. In a series, a preaching series through the book of 1 Corinthians called To the Church, because that's who this letter was written to. And it's written not just to the church in Corinth, but also to us. And now we're in the third chapter together, and this text takes on a little bit of a different tone than some that have gone before it. It's not speaking generically or generally or broadly, but it gets really specific, very detailed. And as the apostle is writing to the church in Corinth, he's going to name their sin. He's going to call it out and be very application-driven and what they need to do. And it is a bit of a call-out text. And whenever a sermon is preached, ideally that sermon would model the tone of the text that's being preached. And so today's message in an attempt to do this will be a little more detailed and some possible application and directed to us as Southside Baptist Church. And so I pray that you would receive it with that in mind. I want to begin by reading to you chapter three. Remember, this is much like how the letter would have been heard when it was first read to the church. First Corinthians chapter three, beginning in verse one. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. 
So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on, the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. This is God's word. If you receive it as such, would you say amen? Amen. Do you not know? This is the question lifted from verse 16 in this text, and it is a very revealing question about the ignorance of the church in Corinth. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Do you not know this? Is that more of a question or is it more of a frustration or is it more of a lament? Do you not know? Do you not know? Do you not know? 
Perhaps it's all three. A question, a frustration, and a lament. What this statement highlights for us is clear, and it summarizes this whole chapter. There was an ignorance among the church in Corinth that needed to be corrected. There is no good reason for the church of Jesus Christ to be ignorant, which means to be uninformed or to lack knowledge about the basic things concerning who we are and whose we are and what God is doing among us. Why? Because God has revealed these things to us. For the church to remain ignorant about what God has revealed and graciously provided for by his indwelling Holy Spirit, to remain ignorant of that is simply sin. Now, there are some things that have not been revealed to us and that are not ours to know. For example, Jesus' disciples came to him after his resurrection, right before he was taken up to heaven. And when they came to him, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. Some things do not belong to us to know. Listen to what Deuteronomy 29, 29 says. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may, what? Do all the words of this law. Some things are not given for us to know, but what is given is revealed that we might know and obey what we know. And God gives us what we need to know so that we might be empowered to be his witnesses in all the earth so that we might do what God wants us to do with what we know from God. But sin stops our ears up and covers up our eyes so that we do not know what God has given us to know. And this is what our enemy wants, the enemy of God, the devil, to keep us from hearing God's revelation, to make us just too busy to come and hear. And if the enemy keeps us from hearing God's revelation, then he has succeeded in keeping us from obeying. God's revelation. And so God has graciously revealed himself to us in the person and the work of Jesus Christ and has given us of his Holy Spirit so that we might have a knowledge of him and not ignorance. Well, this text in 1 Corinthians is not speaking about individuals being ignorant. This text is speaking about a collective shared ignorance The church, the body of Christ at Corinth is ignorant and it was hindering their empowered obedience and witness in the world. But lest we think, 
that this ignorance is limited only to the church at Corinth, may we all remember that God did not preserve his inspired word so that we might hear it today because the church in Corinth was the last ignorant church. Amen? This text presents to us ignorance in four divisions. First, they did not know how to be godly people. Second, they did not know how God's church is served. Third, they did not know how God's church is built. And fourth, they did not know that God's spirit dwells in them. First, they did not know how to be godly people. This is verses one through four. Look with me at verse one. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Notice that word, brothers. Do not mistake their ignorance to mean that they are not part of God's family. They are. They are the church. They are the saints. God is their father. We need to understand this if we are going to hear this as Southside Baptist Church. This is a word not for outsiders to the faith, but to those in the faith. We need to hear this not as a word for other congregations, but for us, for Southside Baptist Church who are gathered in this time and in this place. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Already in a previous chapter, the apostle has addressed two groups of people. On the one hand, he addressed those who are being saved. And on the other, he addresses those who are perishing. But now he is addressing only one group to those who are being saved. You, the church. And he says that there are two types of people who are being saved. Two types of people in the church. Spiritual people and fleshly people. We could say spiritual saints and fleshly saints. That's the idea here. The fleshly saints are infants in Christ. The fleshly saints are focused only upon their own basic physical desires. Feed me, play with me, clean me, put me to bed. Practically and sadly, in the church, that sounds something like this. Marry me, elevate me, entertain me, bury me. That's what fleshly saints desire of the church. These are those who are in Christ but are babies. And so the apostle could not impart to them the secret and hidden wisdom of God that has been revealed in Jesus Christ. He could not challenge them. Instead, he had to adapt his teaching and his instruction to a diet that they could consume because they still needed to be fed. So verse two says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, 
for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not yet ready. That's a haunting statement. Even now, you are not yet ready. Dad, can I drink coffee with you? No, my son, you're only four. You're not ready yet. Dad, can I learn how to drive? No, my daughter, you're only five. You're not ready yet. I started putting milk in a coffee mug so that my son could enjoy drinking coffee with his dad. I have my mug of coffee and he has his mug of milk. One morning I asked him, how do you like your coffee? Without a thought he said, white and cold. You see, my children are not ready for these things. But the apostle in 1 Corinthians is not writing to four and five-year-olds. He's not writing about driving cars and drinking coffee. He's writing to brothers who, notice the text in verse two, were not ready and are not yet ready. These brothers have had their milk and they are still drinking it. The apostle cannot move on to more substantial food for them. Why? Look at verse three. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? The problem is not with their appetite. The problem is with their behavior. They are behaving as unregenerate people. They are behaving as sinners behave not saints. They are behaving in a way that is no different from the people outside the gathering of the church. Notice the language in the text again. It says, you are still of the flesh. And here is what he means by that. There is jealousy and strife. Now, jealousy is resentment. It's envy. I want to be like that person. I want to be like that leader. I'm jealous, envious. Strife is the conflict and the discord that results from jealousy, from rivalries. Let's be clear about what the apostle is calling out here. This is division in the church of Almighty God. Notice where that jealousy and strife is located. The two words that appear in the text immediately after jealousy and strife are the words among you, literally in you. It does not matter if 75% of our church is spiritual and godly, if only 25% of our church is fleshly and there's jealousy and strife among us, in us, we're divided. It does not matter if 95% of our church is spiritual and godly. If only 5% of our church is fleshly, then there is jealousy and strife among us and in us, and we are divided. This is a bold statement. It does not matter if 99 percent of our church is 
spiritual and godly. If only 1% of our church is fleshly, then there is jealousy and strife among us and in us, and we are divided. You say, well, pastor, we are a Baptist church, a congregational church. 75% in agreement is pretty good. To which I say, you're right, but it's not biblical. What was the appeal of chapter one? I appeal to you, brothers, same group. By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that 75% of you agree, 95% of you agree, 99% of you agree. What does the text say? All of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. Remember, we said literally that means that you all say the same thing. Is Christ divided after all? The Bible does not have room for congregational division. And the Bible does not even understand congregational boating on things. The Bible only knows a congregational church being in agreement and affirming 100% united in the Spirit under the leading of the Holy Spirit. Southside Baptist Church, we need to think biblically about how we operate as a church, not by what we know by way of experience and tradition with committees and votes and a model of government that looks more like the world than the church but by what we should know and perhaps have not yet been ready for as revealed in God's word. Do you not know this? The experience and tradition of this church has led to multiple schisms that have been documented and published over the years. Divisions, has it not? Let us not repeat the same problems of the past. Could it be that all who are gathered in this church right now, in this day, are ready, ready for solid food. I will say as an appeal, as your pastor, if you will be patient with me, I will show you a more excellent way, not behaving in a human way, not behaving in a fleshly way. I will show you from God's word, God's way. Do you not know what that is? Together we will flourish as the spiritual people that God has made us to be. Look at verse four. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Church, we gather every Lord's day around the revealed word of God to renew and transform our minds into the mind of Christ. Do you remember the old bracelets that said, what would Jesus do? WWJD. How can we say, I follow Paul or I follow Apollos and behave so humanly when we are thinking about what Jesus, not would do, but did. We're thinking about Christ and his cross. The church did not know how to be godly people. And in in part, this is because that they had not been taught. 
but not because there wasn't someone there to teach them. There was. There had been. They had not been taught because they had not purged the sin of jealousy and envy from among them. And until they did, they could still only be fed milk to drink. Imagine what a divided church with jealousy and envy among them would do with the secret and hidden wisdom of God. It would misuse and abuse what is godly for fleshly gain, and it would lead to their destruction. It's very merciful of God to not reveal to them solid food, to keep giving them milk because they're not ready. If we want to grow in our knowledge of God, this scripture teaches us that we must purge these sins from among us. and We must be one and united in agreement. We must be a spiritual people to receive spiritual things. And while we are spiritual because that is what God has made of us, we must also act spiritual with our attitudes and behaviors every one of us as one united body. They did not know how to be godly people. Secondly, they did not know how God's church is served. Look at verse five. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Answer, servants, through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. Highlight that word servants. It is the word diakonoi, diakonoi. Now these men were not deacons in the narrow sense of the word, in the sense that they were not holders of the office of the deacon in the church. But these men were deacons in the broader sense, the kind of deacons we all are in Christ. They were servants, excuse me, they were servants of Christ. They do what the Lord bids them to do, which means they emphasize not themselves, but their master. In their work, they show themselves not to be great, but the Lord to be great. That's what a servant does, representing the master. Notice in verse five, it says, as the Lord assigned to each, as the Lord gave. That's what it literally says. And so this is the Lord's giving, the Lord's work, the Lord's doing. And in verse six, the apostle says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Who gave the growth? God gave the growth. Paul planted. Who gave the growth? God gave the growth. Apollos water, who gave the growth? God gave the growth. All we can do as servants of God is plant seed and water it. That's it. I'm gonna make this very practical now. Every year, come budget time, a church is tempted to evaluate their pastor and determine what he should be paid. And every year, that conversation goes the same way. Not just in this church, every church I've been in. We'll pay the pastor more if our church grows. So how did the church grow this year? 
questions are asked? How many families were added? How many children have attended? How many salvations were recorded? How many baptisms were numbered? How did the annual receipts of tithes and offerings grow? I say this to point out from the text, from Scripture. Do not make that mistake, church, and evaluate your pastor on church growth. For what you do not realize when you do that is that you are not judging your pastor, but you are judging God to your own peril because the pastor does not give growth. God gives the growth. So you're judging God on how many families he gave. You're judging God on how many salvations he wrought. You're judging God on how many baptisms he gave. You're judging God on how many children were attended. You're judging God on how many dollars were received. And the church wonders why they're not growing. Do you not know? Almost every year, the pastor is not worthy of double honor for managing the household of God well, for planting the seed, for proclaiming the word, for watering the seed, for modeling the faith, for stewarding well. And almost every year, the pastor is paid based on results that belong only to God. And the church does not grow because you do not know. If we live by God's word, if we act in obedience to God's word, then God will bring immeasurable growth. Do you not know? The worker works hard, but the worker is nothing because God is the one who gives the growth. When you look outside, what do you see? You see trees, but not the person that planted them or watered them. You see grass but not the person that cuts it and fertilizes it. You only see the result, and the results you see reflect the person that made that grow, who is God. As G. Campbell Morgan illustrates it, the Corinthians were forming committees around the planters and the waterers, neglecting altogether the God who gave them growth. I follow the planter, I follow the waterer, Paul says they're nothing. Verse seven says, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Again, I'm just proclaiming to you the scriptures. And the scriptures are talking here about results and wages and labor. Do you not know how you are supposed to evaluate the minister of God's word? The answer is never by his results, but always by his labor. The wages are based on what? Labor. Paul says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. This is how God's church is served. Not by men making much of themselves. God's church is served by men who make much of God. The emphasis in each one of these phrases is God. You can underline his name every time, three times. We are God's fellow workers. In other words, the planter and the waterer work together and they belong to God. 
You are God's field. You are God's building. It's all about God. Make this church about us or about any other thing, and we have missed the mark and we'll be ruined. Make this church about God, and we will experience the growth that only God gives. They did not know how to be godly people. They did not know how God's church is served, and they did not know how God's church is built. Look at verse 10. According to the grace, meaning nothing that was earned or deserved, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Now you might underline that command. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. This is a command for each one of us as individuals in this body of Christ, this building up of the body. And each one of us is doing just that. I'm looking out at a room full of builders. That's who you are. And there are no exceptions. You are not part of the church to be entertained or to consume teaching or music or even prayers. Each one of us are part of this church to build up the body of Christ. Each one of us have spiritual gifts that this church needs. Each one of us must build carefully upon the foundation that has been laid. Verse 11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, we are not laying again a foundation The foundation has already been laid, and that foundation is Christ and his cross. Never cover that up. Practically, we must look at what we are building upon. Some churches think that they're building upon a charter, a constitution, a bylaws. Those things are not foundations. Those things build upon the foundation, and they must be very carefully built. Most of them are written based on guides from lawyers and businessmen, but not many are written by pastors trained in God's word. And it shows everything that we build must point us to the foundation that is Jesus Christ, everything on his word. Look at verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Why do I boldly and at great risk to myself preach so specifically and detailed as I have today? Because there's a day of judgment coming and it's a day of fire. We're not playing games And in that day, everything that we have built will either stand the fire or it will be consumed. Gold, silver, and precious stones are very slow-burning materials. They withstand the flame. Wood, hay, and straw are quick-burning materials, and they burn in a flash and they're consumed. This text speaks not only to the quality of materials being used as the foundation is built upon, but also the speed of construction. 
You can make a house with wood, hay, and straw in a day. But to build something with gold and silver and precious stones, now that takes time. One has to mine for those materials. One has to fashion them with a skilled worker who knows what he's doing. One has to add them to the foundation very carefully. And this takes time. Jesus said in John chapter 2, verse 19 to the Jews, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Listen to how the Jews responded. This is very telling. The Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. Will you raise it up in three days? They did not know. They did not know Jesus was speaking about his body. But notice how long it took for them to build that temple, 46 years. The original temple took about seven years. These are years in building with precious stones and materials. Why do we expect churches to grow overnight? Why do we try out programs and flashy things that won't last the test of the fire? The growth that God gives is often the result Faithful, consistent labor on the right foundation over time. Do you know William Carey was a missionary to India? He saw his first convert, not after his first year, not after his second year, not after his third year, but after the seventh year of laboring for one convert on the mission field. That's the kind of work that is built with the best materials on the right foundation that lasts. Verse 14, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. In the day of judgment, the day of fire, I pray that I don't just walk through the fire by myself, saved by the grace of God through fire. I pray that I pass through the fire with something else to show for my life. I pray that life, my life's work, my life's ministry has built something that survives. And church, each one of you has something that you are building too. You do not have to be a pastor to build on the foundation. If God's spirit dwells in you, you are a builder. What will last the test of the fire in the day's last judgment? Don't be a church member that keeps your name on the roll and attends only so that you can be buried in a glorious building. You may pass through the fire by the grace of God, but you'll have nothing else to show for your life. Be the church member that God's word is revealing and will continue to reveal in this letter the kind that is actively involved in God's work of building up his church. They did not know how to be godly people. They did not know how God's church is served. They did not know how God's church is built. And lastly, they did not know that God's spirit dwells in them. They didn't know this. Look at verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Do not misunderstand this verse by thinking of it individually. Because in this context, again, this verse is not saying that each one of us has God's spirit dwelling within us. That is true. That's spoken of elsewhere in scriptures. 
But that's not what this verse is saying in context. This verse is back to speaking about the church. The church as a body united in Christ. You church are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you. Do you not know this church? And yet you're jealous, envious, following these leaders as if they're the ones giving the grace and the blessing, and they aren't. And you continue on as babies in Christ, fleshly people, carnal people. And so hear this warning, verse 17. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. This is a frightening verse, and this should make all of us who hear very uncomfortable about any kind of division, because division destroys. And if anyone among us seeks to destroy us as a body, they are destroying God's church, which is God's temple, and God will mete out to that person the same type of destruction that they are inflicting. God will destroy him. Be warned. Be cautious. God loves his church, and God will win the day. What did God do with Ananias and his wife Sapphira in Acts chapter 5? This couple in the church lied to the apostles They lied to the church, they lied to God, and they tested the Holy Spirit together in their heart. And what did God do to them? Do you remember? God killed them. They fell down and they breathed their last. And great fear came upon all who heard about that because God will protect his church. And so the apostle brings this text to a conclusion. Verse 18, he says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool. He may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. So let no one boast in men. For all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death, or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. This is the gospel proclamation. All things are yours in Christ. Every spiritual blessing is yours. Every victory is yours in Christ, because you are Christ, and Christ is God's. And this is who we are as the church. And so put to death any sin that is in you and among you, just as Christ died for sin once for all and buried it in the grave. Live with the newness of life because of Christ's resurrection. Not the life you once knew, but the life that you now have. God has given you a resurrection life as children of God, as witnesses of God. And be a builder in the work that God himself is architecting. He's overseeing the work of building his church. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
I'll leave you with these words from the prophet Isaiah who said this. Not do you not know, but he said, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or grow weary. Are you thinking in your mind, I'm too weak or I'm too elderly to build anymore in the church? Have faith in God. He doesn't grow tired or weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And this is what our God does. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. This is what God empowers us to do by his Holy Spirit as we wait and work, building on Christ as the foundation, united for his glory till that coming day. Now you Thank you again for listening to this message. I pray that God would accomplish his purpose in you through the preaching, hearing, receiving, and believing of his word. If you wish to share any comments or questions about the message you have heard, please call Southside at 256-353-8814 or visit us on the web at southsidebaptist.net. Also, make sure to subscribe or follow this podcast to receive a new message each week.